Hello, and thank you for joining us today. My name is Frank Spangler, and this is Worldviews, a podcast that seeks to find harmony between the philosophies and worldviews of religion and science. The story is told of a young man who had an interesting way of reading the Bible. Every morning before going to work, he would open his Bible to find direction for what God would like him to do that day. The method that he chose was the random method. The young man would close his eyes, open the Bible randomly, and point to a text in the open page and look down to see what God wanted him to do that day. One morning, as he opened his Bible and pointed to a text, he opened his eyes and read the words, And Judas went out and hung himself. Well, that didn't seem like it had much direction for his day, so he decided to try again. For a second time, he opened up his Bible, pointed to a text, and this time, when he opened his eyes, he read the words, Go and do likewise. (laughs) Well, unwilling to accept the idea that It was God's will for him to go out and hang himself. He decided to try one more time. This time, as he opened his eyes, he was shocked and dismayed to read the words, And that which you do, do quickly. Well, we smile at the story. But the truth is that many Christians, if they read the Bible much at all, often read and study the Bible in inappropriate ways. In today's study, we're going to take a look at some of these poor methods of Bible study. If you have been following along with our lessons here at Worldviews, you will know that we are in the middle of a series on the creation narrative of Genesis 1. You may be wondering why we are taking now a side journey here to discuss methods of Bible study. Well, as I was working on some of the lesson plans uh, the other day, it occurred to me that before we could continue much further in Genesis, we really need to address issues of appropriate Bible study methods in a little bit more detail. For our lesson today, as you probably guessed from our title, I want to share with you, first of all, how not to study the Bible. I want to discuss some of the poor methods or negative methods of Bible study. And then, in our next lesson, we can talk about some positive methods of biblical research. The first poor method we have already alluded to in our introductory story, the random method or horoscope method. I think that uh, I may have even used this method for a while myself back when I was 10 or 11 years old. I remember not finding it very satisfying, even back then. 
Needless to say, it is not a very responsible way to handle God's word. It is almost presumptuous. You are asking God to supernaturally intervene in how you open the Bible and to supernaturally guide your fingers to the exact text that you need for that day. Almost like a a Ouija board in some type of a seance. Yikes. The next poor method on this list is almost as bad as the horoscope method. The text out of context. My theology professors drilled this into us back at the seminary. A text out of context is a pretext. Sadly, some religious groups have constructed whole doctrinal beliefs based on one or two texts taken out of context. Bible critics ask, if the Bible is inspired by an all-knowing God, why are there so many Christian denominations that disagree on what the Bible teaches? This is one of the reasons why. People through the centuries, without much biblical training, without having access to the best tools or the best manuscripts, have taken texts of the Bible out of context and built whole doctrines on them. They've gained a following, and today's believers often accept the teachings without much in the way of an in-depth personal investigation as to what the larger Bible message teaches. A good Bible student will always consider a passage of Scripture within the context of the whole chapter in which it is found, and then consider it within the context of the whole book that that text was found, and then consider the wider context of the whole Bible before they make any firm conclusions as to what the text is saying or what they should believe based on the text. In other words, I believe it is important to employ a kind of weight of evidence. If a text that you are reading appears, and I want to emphasize that word, appears. If the text that you are reading appears to say one thing, but there are 80 other passages that teach the opposite idea or principle, or the whole theme and message of the Bible teaches the opposite principle of the isolated text, which are you going to go with? I believe that the responsible thing to do is to go with the weight of evidence. 
Before we leave this point, I want to give you a few examples of how badly things can go wrong when people take Bible texts out of context. Let's look at a few together. The Bible teaches that God alone is immortal. And yet, many Christians believe that people are also immortal, that they have souls inside their bodies that live forever, that when our bodies die, that there is some kind of energy force that contains the mind and personality of the individual that leaves the body and travels to heaven or some other place. Another example. The Bible teaches that people have free will, freedom of choice. And yet, many Christians believe that God has predestined every event of our lives before we were ever born. And that the idea of free will is only an illusion. Another example. The Bible teaches that those who accept God, follow Him, worship and honor Him, will be rewarded with everlasting life through a process called the resurrection of the body, an event that happens at the very end of time. And yet, many Christians believe that people ascend directly to heaven when they die. Then there is what I believe to be probably the worst doctrine ever conceived by man based on taking a few Bible texts out of context. The Bible teaches that our Creator is a God of pure, absolute, eternal love. And yet, many Christians believe that this same God, the creator of this universe, will cause people to writhe in pain and agony for all eternity in a hell fire because of a few poor choices that they made in their short life here on this earth. How did so many Christians come to believe these teachings that so blatantly contradict the overarching message of the Bible? I would suggest that it is all due to the problem of taking texts out of context and building whole belief systems on them. If we are serious about following what the Bible says, we need to be diligent, dig deep, and discover what the whole Bible says on any given subject, not just a few isolated texts. Another extremely bad method of Bible study is what is called the proof text method of study. 
I don't know what it is like in your church group, but the faith tradition that I grew up in has been a particularly bad offender of this method. This is the free Bible correspondence course that you might order from a TV or radio ministry in the mail. It is the set of Bible study pamphlets that you might find at the back of the church. The Bible study book that you might pick up or be given by a well-meaning friend. The friendly couple that stops by your door wanting to study the Bible with you. The lesson study guides at your Sunday school or Sabbath school. How does it work? Well, this is where uh, Bible subjects are presented with a leading question along with a Bible text for the student to look up to answer. Or, worse yet, a statement in the study guide that has a few blanks that you need to fill in by looking up a text. Even evangelists will sometimes use this approach as they attempt to quickly prove to their audience a certain number of doctrinal teachings of the Bible, the proof text method. Unfortunately, the student quickly realizes that using this approach, you can make the Bible say almost anything. If they don't catch on to this themselves, a friend at work will surely point it out to them. And the new believer that has started showing an interest in God's word very quickly loses interest. I should probably say that the people and churches, church schools and supporting church ministries that use this method of teaching I believe, for the most part, have had the best of intentions. They love the life experience that they have. They love their subculture, their worldview. They believe it to be the truth. And they are eager to share their wonderful experience with others. I believe, as I look back on it, I may have actually prepared a few of these lesson study guides myself back in the day. It just turns out that this is not a very good approach to studying God's Word. Please, whether you are a student or a teacher, please try your best to avoid the proof text method. Oftentimes, they are nothing more than a series or chain of texts taken out of context. Even if the study guide or the evangelist is teaching sound doctrine, the texts that are often used in this proof text method to quickly prove a point are taken badly out of context, and when the new student discovers that, they will feel conned. The next poor method I call 
the scissors method. It could also be called the shortcut method. I call it the scissors method because of a childhood memory that I have. In my mind's eye, I see my father sitting at the table working on a puzzle. And after turning the puzzle pieces over and trying to fit them in various spots, he would sometimes call out in frustration, Mother, bring me the scissors. Well, of course, he was joking, and we smile at the idea of anyone trying to finish a puzzle this way. But I fear that many people do this with the Bible. They'll be working on a problem that they are facing in the Bible. They're trying to understand how some of the Bible texts that they find seem to go against a long-held belief of their family, their church, their culture, their subculture, or go against the recent findings of science. They don't want to turn their back on the teaching of their family or the faith tradition that they grew up in, nor do they want to look antiquated in the eyes of their educated friends, co-workers, or peers. And yet, they have come across this passage of Scripture that is a real puzzler. They want to finish the puzzle so that they can hang it up in the gallery of their chapel of belief systems. But they struggle to fit all of the pieces together. In an effort to complete the puzzle and move on, many Bible students call for the scissors. What I mean by that is they start cutting corners. They stop doing careful research. They play a little fast and loose with possible meanings of the original biblical languages that fit more easily with their worldview or scientific understanding, regardless of the impact that those scissors might have on other related beliefs. They try and take shortcuts that ultimately favor what they believe the Bible should say or meant to say, rather than what the Bible actually says. This quick fix may solve the problem for you, for now, but often causes problems down the road as you try to integrate your shortcut conclusions into the larger body of belief. Your hasty conclusion may have an unintentional impact on other Bible beliefs when you come to study them. And thus, the scissors method can have a cascading effect through everything that you study. Another unfortunate result of using the scissors method is that because you believe in your mind that the puzzle is finished, 
you may never revisit the problem again. By doing this, you miss out on an opportunity to discover a deeper truth, a more accurate truth, a more satisfying solution to the problem that you have been facing. You have moved on. How much better to keep working on the problem? Don't be afraid to admit to others that you haven't yet arrived, that you're still prayerfully considering some of these things. There have been some texts of Scripture that I have struggled with myself for 20 years. But I find that if I leave it with God, if I wait on the Holy Spirit, the solution eventually comes. And when it does... It is like the scales fall off your eyes. You see things in a completely new light, and you find the solution to be extremely satisfying and faith-building. This is an experience that people miss out on if they use the scissors method of Bible study. In conclusion for today's lesson, I want to share one last thought. As you have probably picked up on, I am a big proponent of personal, careful, deep Bible study. I do not believe that anyone should simply grab on to the coattails of others, letting them do the diligent study and simply accept their findings. Our Creator desires a personal relationship with us, and that only comes through a personal walk with Him, a close, personal study of His Word and His created works. Many people have a tendency to blindly accept the teachings of their parents, their church, their Sunday school teachers, their church publications without question or personal investigation. This in and of itself, I believe, is a poor method of Bible study. We might call it the osmosis method. From an anthropological perspective, it is actually quite natural to appropriate the beliefs of your culture or subculture. But I would suggest that when it comes to your personal faith in God, it is never a good idea to rely completely on the faith experience of others. What happens when your people fall? What happens when your people fail you? What do you do then? So many people have given up their faith in God because the head elder of their church gave up his faith. That is so tragic. People need to develop a personal relationship with God, and that is done only through spending personal time with him in his word. Along these same lines, I believe that 
some Christians may put just a little too much faith in the church authorities or church fathers. Rather than discover the message of Scripture for themselves, people put a lot of faith in the teachings of Augustine or Jerome or Pope Gregory or Martin Luther, Calvin or Wesley as though these men developed some kind of a corner on truth. In reality, even lay people today have much more in the way of Bible study tools than these people ever had. Today, we are working with earlier manuscripts. We have a better understanding of ancient Hebrew and Greek than many of them did at the time of their writing. Some were highly influenced by Greek philosophy, and this makes its way into the teachings that they developed. These teachings then became widely adopted by Christianity and would often survive when the Protestant groups split off from the Catholic Church. Suffice it to say, some Christian beliefs are based more on Plato than they are on Paul. We need to be careful what we blindly adopt. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourselves to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Well, these are some of the poor methods of study that I wanted to share with you in this lesson. In our next class, I want to go more positive and talk about some healthy methods of Bible study, responsible methods of Bible study. And then we can get back to Genesis. I hope that you will continue to join me in these important discussions. If you are watching this on Facebook or our website, I encourage you to find us on YouTube. Subscribe to us there and turn on the notifications And that way, you'll be notified each time we release a new lesson. And if you found this lesson helpful, why not share it on your social media platforms? And we would like to hear from you. What are your thoughts on the things that we have discussed today? Let us know in the comments below on our YouTube channel. See you next time here at Worldviews. Worldviews.